Hello and welcome to Embodying Change, a podcast about cultivating care and compassion in aid and development. I'm Marion Clements and this podcast is part of an initiative I'm working on with Melissa Pitotti, which is being hosted by the CHS Alliance. Our work looks at the intersections between mental health, people management and organisational culture in aid and development organisations. And to do that, we use the lens of care and compassion. Today, I'm talking with Lana Bahain from IRC. We talk about her role as a staff care specialist with them in the Middle East as part of their duty of care programme globally. The different initiatives IRC have in place to address the wellbeing of their staff and how they make sure that they take into consideration different cultural, linguistic and social needs in doing so. So hi and welcome to the podcast. Um, today I'm here with Lana Bahain and um, I don't know if I said that right so I'm going to get Lana to tell us exactly how to pronounce her name but just before I do that um, I want to share with you that um, Lana is works with IRC as a staff care specialist uh, based in the MENA region and she's part of the global duty of care team and she also has a master's in organizational psychology and so we're going to have a conversation today about how IRC approach staff care and duty of care and the work that she's doing along with others within the organization so welcome Lana thank you for being with me today Thank you so much, Marianne, and thank you for having me uh, to be part of this conversation. And yeah, you did spell my name right um, in, in English. In English, it's a bit harder in Arabic. In Arabic, it's Qayin. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm happy to, to take part in this initiative. And thank you so much and for the CHS Alliance team for doing such a great initiative. Um, so yeah, happy to, to get started and start talking about uh, the duty of care so to start, um, uh, I've, I've been working with IRC for almost a year and a half now as part of the duty of care program and, uh, and uh, as a staff care specialist and based in the MENA region and uh, also responsible for the Middle East and North Africa where IRC country, uh, where IRC offices are operating in the region. So um, to start with, we can, we can begin by just defining what duty of care uh, basically means and uh, the the general uh, accepted definition for duty of care is is the the organization's obligation obligation to provide um, uh, safety uh, security health and well-being uh, to to its staff and workforce and uh, at, and at this also means that staff has um, a duty of responsibility towards themselves also to take care of themselves to uh, follow the uh, um, the organizational policies and utilize the resources that are available to support them as well to support themselves. So, at IRC, uh, basically, this this is duty of care, and and uh, the program takes um, uh, focuses on three main areas basically at IRC, and and can take uh, also um, different approaches depending on the. Uh, area that, that the program is, is offering support in. So obviously the main, one of the major uh, uh, areas we, we try to support with uh, is the psychosocial care, education and training at the, at the IRC. 
And through the psychosocial care and education uh, training, and it's the number one key area that we offer, is that there, this includes counseling and coaching services for staff, uh, their family members, and, and uh, some education programs and trainings to uh, help support staff to support themselves on topics, uh, psychosocial topics such as burnout, um, self-care, uh, vicarious trauma, which is unique to the frontline workers in the humanitarian aid, and, uh, and uh, a variety of other topics as well related to psychosocial care and education. So this is a major component of, of the duty of care website, uh, duty of care uh, program. And then there's the, the second area, which, is, which focuses on uh, ensuring um, um, safe and a healthy work environment for our, for our staff. And in order to do that, um, Duty of Care works in partnership with, uh, with other teams such as uh, safety and security, gender equality. Uh, we also have supply chain and the, the ethics and compliance unit um, and other teams as well. So a, a big part of, of, uh, of, uh, of the Duty of Care um, uh, support is also uh, based on collaboration across different teams, uh, such as ensuring the, the safe and healthy work environments. And then there's the third component, of course, which is promoting staff uh, welfare and voice um, um, at, at, the, at the IRC community. And this can, can happen also. Um, this, this promotes staff voice with a variety of initiatives uh, around organizational culture, uh, staff representation and, and so on. So basically these are uh, normally our um, um, main three areas where duty of care is trying uh, to support staff at the IRC. And um, I, I want to share a little bit more about the psychosocial um, uh, parts or the psychosocial care and education part of our duty of care program because this part specifically uh, speaks directly to the well-being of our staff at IRC. All the other areas, of course, contribute to the well-being and safety of our uh, of our employees. But this is like this this area has um, has a, has a high personalization uh, support for staff as well as low personalization support. And there's some some other support that lies in the middle of the spectrum as well. One of the main services that we try to offer our staff is the EARP, which is the Employee Assistance and Resilience Program. Mm -hmm. This is a, a program that's offered through, um, a, through a third party, and uh, it's basically a free uh, counseling um, service that's provided to not only the staff uh, of the IRC, but also their family members. And, um, and incentive workers and you know the IRC community in general. And during these counseling, staff has access to in-person uh, um, counseling sessions that are um, where they can get attention one-on-one uh, um, uh, -on -one from a counselor uh, to address uh, their specific needs and circumstances. They can be related to work, they can be related to personal issues. So, so how they can help themselves to cope with the stresses of, of the situation that they're facing or in life in general, and then um, like towards building the resilience. So this is basically the, the core of the program. And under this program, other than the um, 
the counseling services that's offered to staff, um, which is also just, it, it's, it's not only free, but it's also provided um, uh, remotely. It can be accessed remotely from like any place the staff are. And, and also there's the option for the in-person counseling in most of our uh, IRC country programs. Um, so the idea behind it is to make it as easier as possible for staff to be able to access the service. Uh, we try to promote it and remind staff about the service whenever there's an opportunity to do so. Uh, the, the importance of, of, um, of psychosocial care in general. And, and you know, there's, there's this stigma that's, I think, that's, um, that's there globally about the um, uh, psychosocial care in general um, and, and how um, some, some individuals might be resistant towards seeking um, like, you know, psychosocial support. And uh, even in, in the Middle East and North Africa, this, this, we have even an, 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 a deeper stigma uh, because of the culture as well here. So we try to find different ways to promote these services to our staff. Um, we, we try to find different channels because we know how much this service is important and uh, how much our humanitarian aid workers, especially our frontliners, the, the unique stressors that they might be facing um, are something, is something that, that may, they, they might be feeling, but they might not be as aware of. So we just need to remind them that you have the support. Um, just like when you have a headache and you want to go to a doctor to, to whenever you feel unwell, also your, your mind and your body and your emotion has, has, has you have responsibility towards yourself to take care of, of also your, your, your emotional health and your mental health. So, and under this EARP program, we also have a service which is, um, it's called the Customized Resilience Planning. Uh, so it's basically also a counseling service where um, uh, staff um, have access to, um, to get a, um, like a specific uh, support for a self-care plan towards themselves. Like they can discuss their, um, with a counselor, um, how they, they respond to stress, how they can cope with stress, their unique circumstances and how they can, um, uh, with the help of a professional um, and their weaknesses and strength points, how they can develop their own self-care plan in a way that is customized to, 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 uh, to build their own resilience. And um, under also the same program, we have a, we have a service that's specific to managers. So um, managers also have a responsibility and, uh, and we, through the program, they have access to like a one-on-one -on -one coaching service, let's say, um, and they can access the service if they wish to know how to support their staff during a, a transition or a change period or uh, sometimes uh, related to their personal or professional um, issues at, at, at work or sometimes um, interpersonal uh, issues. So managers also have this specific support that's available to them. So this is in a nutshell, <laughs> the, the, the employee assistance and resilience program that is uh, provided under the psychosocial care and education of the duty of care. You can, you can see that as it's basically a benefit, uh, just mm -hmm. like, um, you know, you have the health insurance, sometimes you have like these kinds of benefits. So this is 
uh, a benefit that's provided uh, free, entirely free and uh, completely confidential where IRC does not have access basically to the information, but it's, it's just there for staff to access the support and get it whenever they need it. Um, and, and so basically this is, we can say that this is the high personalization support that's offered to uh, staff through the duty of care program. At IRC as well, um, so because things keep on changing and, uh, you know, um, staff, for instance, during this period, uh, the, the COVID-19, uh, the pandemic, you need, we need to adapt to try to meet the new needs because you have new stressors, you might have new needs as well. So um, when, the, when the program started, in order to, uh, to offer easy access for staff to, to access these services, including the counseling services, um, a duty of care web specific website was created uh, where all and this website has been made public so that if there are some staff members who do, who do not have IRC login credentials they can access family members can access these uh, resources and as well as incentive workers because they also don't have uh, IRC login credentials so on the website, to make it easier, it was uh, divided uh, into three categories. So if you are an IRC staff member, if you are an HR or a manager, and then if you are a family member. And uh, the, the website was translated to three official languages, which is English, Arabic, and French, and other languages is available. And it was created basically to have, to, 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 um, to have everything in one place when it comes to psychosocial care, education and training for staff to access. So you can access the EARP service through the website. Um, you can access um, um, self-assessments on psychosocial care topics um, like well-being, work-life balance, stress and stress management and self-care. Uh, there's also staff could access um, uh, videos, um, uh, they can access uh, articles based, all the articles that are shared on the website that are on psychosocial topics to support uh, are, are basically research based and they are created um, um, in, in partnership with psychologists and, uh, and have been added to the website for staff for self-study educational services. Um, through the website also, um, we, we are offering e-learnings uh, for, for staff and one of our main e-learnings that's available, that's currently available at the moment is uh, building resilience for humanitarian workers. So if you are a new IRC staff member and you just joined IRC um, and also for all other staff members because this, is, this has been recent. So we try to include it in the onboarding process for staff to uh, for anyone who's joining the humanitarian field uh, uh, for the first time or even um, working in, in the NGOs previously to, to have an idea about what is stress and what it really does to our body, to our behaviors, to our mind, and then um, how to build resilience based on our coping style. These things staff could learn uh, through this uh, um, e-learning that was created. It's a 90 minute e-learning that we encourage everyone to just to have an idea. So different channels, different ways to try to raise awareness about resilience, raise awareness about the importance of self-care and, and, and how 
this is especially important for uh, humanitarian aid workers who face even more stressors and unique stressors to the environment. Mm -hmm. This is basically um, other e-learnings as well are being created. So now we are, we are looking at an e-learning that's coming out soon, which is staff care uh, for managers. And it's, it's, it's specific for managers to help them, to help their staff as well. Um, we have another e-learning which is coming up very soon in the coming days um, related to um, navigating and responding and uh, dealing with critical incidents. Um, and it's, it's a nice um, visual training. It's a very short. Uh, all our trainings are, are we try to keep them um, short and right to the point as much as possible. To, to just to make them more um, also encouraging for staff to with visuals and uh, translated to different languages as well. Um, so so basically we have um, these under the psychosocial care education and training. And recently with the COVID nineteen situation, uh, what we did is we added a section on the duty of care website. It's called COVID nineteen specific resources. On that section, and uh, we added everything that, um, like even the first to outside uh, support services of, it's, it's a curated list of uh, articles, videos, uh, resources from trusted resources and high quality content where staff who are interested to, to learn can access those resources and benefit from the tips um, and uh, services that are provided particularly for COVID-19. Um, so um, again, the, the, the duty of care program at IRC is dynamic, it's changing, and new contents are added to the website every month. Um, we always try to find ways to encourage staff to take advantage of these resources. Um, not only the, the self-care and the education resources, but also we found ourselves during the, 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 the pandemic, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic is, we found um, that staff, um, so we have, as I said, like this high personalization um, counseling service and then this low personalization like the duty of care website where staff can access and learn um, on like self-educational uh, resources. And then it seems that there's a need for something in the middle during this, this time. And um, this is why uh, duty of care um, to, to try to meet those needs and demands. Um, the Duty of Care offered like a webinar series that have been going every week throughout the, the, the pandemic. These series were basically tackling topics that were suggested by staff. For instance, one of the, the webinar series was talking about gender and well-being. So what unique challenges the pandemic has um, imposed on, for instance, women and, and working women in particular during this time, like the competing demands at home, um, how they can take care of their children, and uh, they might be also caregivers as well during this time, and working from home. We, we've, we've tried to support staff in different ways. For instance, in the M Middle East and North Africa, we had a gender and well-being webinar uh, which we offered in Arabic because of our region, you know, the, the, the language in the, in the Middle East is more Arabic. So we had a, a counselor who is basically an Arabic counselor, a female Arabic counselor, 
give the, the, the webinar and talk about the unique challenges that not only COVID-19 is, is, um, is uh, affecting the, the, the gender gap in general or the female working, working from home, but also um, like as, as unique cultural or contextual issues that might be uh, adding more um, uh, challenges to, to the to the women working in the Middle East in general. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so, yeah, so this was basically uh, really interesting because um, it, it was talking about uh, the challenges that uh, staff were uh, conveying through surveys. Uh, so we tried to customize the content of the webinar to, mm -hmm. to address some of those needs. I wanted to ask a couple of things. It's really interesting, all the things that you're offering. Yeah. And um, I wanted to ask, first of all, just around that more personalised support, the counselling and coaching. Um, yeah. Is that available to all staff regardless of their status? It sounded like it is, but I just wanted to clarify. And then also like a, a second point on that. Um, is that available in different languages? How do you handle um, making it culturally appropriate in different contexts? Have you thought about that? And like, just, just interested in how you tailor that support to be relevant for people in different parts of the world. Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you, Marianne. Yeah, actually, it's, it is available. So the, um, the ERP, the counseling service, is offered to all staff um regardless of their position or level or country and it is also available to their family members so um if we're talking about the personal the in-person or the one-on-one -on -one counseling session uh, session support it's available to 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 everyone basically to the all i to all the irc community and um so it, it is also available in, in 26 languages and uh, the way it works, so we, uh, our partner in that is Conterra. Conterra is, uh, um, you might have already heard about Conterra before, so it's, it's like a, a, a vendor who have the employee assistance and resilience program and offer to different NGOs, not only and UN agencies. Yeah. So we are partnering with them, with the ARP and um, Contera has a global network of counselors and at IRC we have uh, I think over 50% uh, now more I would assume of our country program programs have uh, staff has access to in-person counseling so meaning that we were able to identify local counselors to be vetted as part of the global network of, of Contera so the vetting process is so to be able to be a, a counselor, um, and the, the local counselors need to go through a vetting process where they need to have experience in the emergency context and all of this like um, a trauma informed investigation experience and, and so on. So when staff are, are reaching out to the service, they, they, um, we assure them that the support or the expert advice that they will receive will should be um, um, able to hopefully help them in, in their specific needs when, when, it, when it comes to um, their, their issues they would like to discuss but it is available to everyone in the middle east um, the so the eARP program uh, the IRC has been one of the top NGOs of utilizing the EARP program with Contera. Contera has been, is, is working with 
a lot of other NGOs mm -hmm. as well. Um, so it seems that there's, it's, I'm not saying that this is, uh, for me personally, I think this is something good because uh, it seems that there are more awareness about the importance of, of, uh, of psychosocial care. And sometimes we think that, um, which is, it, it is the case sometimes that we know how to support ourselves. Uh, we, we are very much aware, we're mindful and so on. And a lot of us know how we cope and, but at times, uh, even having these conversations with a counselor out of curiosity, just to have this conversation, you don't, you don't have to need the support. The service is there for you for free. You can prepare yourself. You can learn more about your coping strategies, about stress. And this is also where the customized self-care planning comes in place, is that the stress is inevitable, but resilience is, is, is actually a skill that can be learned with practice. And to be able to cope better with stress, uh, you need to learn more on how to, on how to build your resilience. So this is what we're trying to raise awareness about in, in, in the IRC community when it comes to the psychosocial aspect is that it's not like people might see it as if like there's something wrong with them if maybe they reach out for psychosocial and this is the stigma that i think it's it's there and maybe globally so um no we do encourage that they do reach out to to learn more about themselves to take care of themselves and even to their family members and a lot of family members also have been reaching out uh, to consider we again it's a confidential service so as, as IRC we don't have access to names and we don't have the only thing we know is the numbers by region uh, and and the topics that might be like for instance um, um, a number of cases were about uh, emotional health a number of cases were related to work stress um, so it's great to see that the numbers have increased um, in when it comes to reaching out to support between 2018 and 2019. And the program has basically started in 2018. And the more visibility of the program was in 2019. So it's fairly new in the past two years, even the duty of care program at IRC uh, launched in, in the beginning of 2018. So um, yes, and basically it is available in 26 languages. Um, and um, the service, so once a staff member reaches out to Contera, it can be through an email, it can be through uh, an application that is available on Android and Apple Store, or even an SMS. Um, within 24 to 72 hours, they should get a response from, um, from the um, service provider, and then immediately start um, like scheduling an appointment for the session according to their preferred time and um, whether remotely or in person, and there's also the Skype option. They can have the remote face-to-face -face, uh, yeah. support. So I think this 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 has been a great uh, service that's been provided through the IRC, and and it is really important for. Uh, I think it's it is important to be there um, uh, in the humanitarian uh, humanitarian aid field. Um, for sure, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I want to, it's interesting because you also have the component that's more around voice and I think kind of organizational other issues. And I know your, your, uh, your specialism is also around organizational psychology. So yeah. I'm interested in that element and how it um, comes in because in the project that we're working on with CHS Alliance, we're really looking at 
three lenses around the topic of well-being and care and compassion and their psychosocial support or we call it mental health but psychosocial support and then people management like the kind of staff piece which is also in there and then we're also looking at organizational culture so I'm really interested in how you see that part um, of the work at IRC and then there's a sort of second part of the question I'm going to ask too which is um, how, whether you know and I know you haven't been there that long but whether you know how um, the, this emphasis on this kind of support came about within IRC and how 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 leaders and managers within IRC have supported it to this extent that it's available for everyone because I think that there are many organizations where that isn't always the case so I'm interested in the organizational piece <laughs> yeah definitely uh, and please, um, if I so you, we want to talk about um, the the staff voice part and staff welfare, right? And yeah. and how uh, the the service of of uh, the counseling service is available for everyone, and how the IRC uh, came to this um, decision to offer that support. Uh, to offer all the pieces. I, I, for yeah, all the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. because I know some of so, it's recent, as you said, yeah. So I've, I've never worked in an NGO before in humanitarian aid sector. And it's, it's been uh, so interesting, challenging and rewarding at the same time. Um, I, I think that the, the way that IRC and maybe other NGOs as well uh, in general, the way that they were uh, approaching uh, the work normally is they may, maybe they were focused more on the outcome. So with our our outcome or our goal is to support our beneficiaries is to to help um, our beneficiaries and work with our partners and so on and maybe neglecting a little bit the process so when we say the process the process includes staff and and the and staff might have been consumed throughout the process so the IRC's focus now has shifted to the process to the staff to trying to maintain the process to and to reach the outcome um, we're not saying that IRC was neglecting staff on purpose but I think this is the nature of the humanitarian work in general and maybe the concept of uh, psychosocial support and uh, the duty of care is not something that's been there for a long time. Maybe it's 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 something that's that came out because obviously there's a need for it. Obviously there are a lot of stressors that the humanitarian aid workers are forced or are 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 facing, especially the frontline workers where they are even exposed to vicarious trauma. Um, they are exposed to the suffering of others. Um, and, and I would add to that also the challenges of the region. So here, I would say on behalf of the Middle East and uh, uh, Middle East and North Africa is we're living in a war zone, to be honest with you. Like we have the, the conflict in Syria, we have the, you know, the, the unrest in Iraq or in Lebanon and even in Libya. So you don't only have the stressors of like in, in some cases and a, a lot of staff who are offering support for beneficiaries are themselves uh, were themselves in a place of a benef beneficiary at one point, if not at the same time. Like a lot of our um, IRC staff who work in Syria, they themselves were displaced and they themselves were 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 forced to be um, were were affected by the conflict, and now they're offering the support. So 
if you imagine like this, the, the amount of stress that humanitarian aid workers might be facing. So I think there has been a lot of attention uh, based on assessments that has been done globally uh, while they were trying to create the duty of care program on the need of, of uh, focusing more on employee well-being, uh, on the employee well-being, on the work-life balance of staff. Um, there has been a staff engagement surveys that uh, that are that have been done yearly, and uh, I would as assume that um, the, the the IRC uh, senior leadership role noticed that uh, they've been working on that before, but obviously noticed the need uh, for for um, focusing on on having something specific to support staff and this is i think where the idea of the duty of care program started sure and and so w w with all that in mind the the element that's about staff voice that you talked about is that woven into the other activities or there are some specific things you do in that element of the piece so uh, there are a few other uh, there are a few things that can, that have have been um, uh, taking place under staff voice. So one of those things we have um, so the staff care program, uh, which I'm working as part of in the Middle East and North Africa, is basically uh, 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 focusing also on. Um, um, collecting staff uh, concerns and trying to, I would say, play the middleman between staff and management and trying to raise staff concerns, trying to advocate for staff in, in where, where a lot of issues affect their well-being. So we try to influence decision makers um, um, by raising staff voice and um, and through staff care drop-ins, sometimes staff just come in with uh, with an issue. So we might not offer a solution sometimes, but at least we raise the concerns of staff um, uh, to the management. Where um, also, I would say communication transparency, even when some issues. Um, um, I would say maybe senior management they don't have a solution to offer or maybe they don't have uh, enough information or maybe they it's it's not maybe possible to address this need at this time uh, communicating that and being transparent about that with staff has has gone a long way for us during the past like even during um, um, discussions conversations or even surveys just to make staff feel that they're that they're they're heard um, and they have access to, um, we have another campaign at IRC which is a raising awareness um, um, campaign or it's it's where with where IRC staff has also access to raise their concerns through the ethics and compliance units if they have uh, something also specific and they want to raise their concerns directly to the ACU units. Uh, so we try to remind the staff of these different channels. Um, we work, I mean, we are part of HR. Duty of care is housed in the human resources, uh, basically, and it came as a request from human resources professionals uh, around IRC. So we work on employee relations issues, and we try to be to guide whatever there's staff voice related to employee relations, guide them through HR. So we work collaboratively together to try to address those needs. Um, and uh, 
Um, there, I'm sure there are different ways as well that are taking place in different countries um, because, um, you know, um, our HR leads and HR partners in different countries have duty of care and staff care on their agenda. It's not, it's not a one-month show, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's, there's a lot of collaboration and there's a lot of uh, work and great ideas that have been shared through other teams, um, mm -hmm. our HR partners, and they have been and made they they happened because of of someone's initiative it's it, there might be like we have a staff welfare committees um um in 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 different in almost all our country programs in the MENA region which is a staff led initiative mm -hmm. of uh, where you you have um uh, staff members representing different position levels and different teams uh, who gather together to discuss topics related to uh, community and culture and how to raise staff um, engagement through whether it's through um, uh, welfare activities like uh, having team building activities or whether through raising concerns mm -hmm. through the, the staff welfare so they're kind of representing staff and mm -hmm. uh, and there's no uh, other like a senior leader or senior management they're not involved so it's a staff-led initiative these things contribute a lot to the to promoting staff welfare and voice in, in the IRC uh, internally. And again, every country and every context may, may be doing different kinds of initiatives that are um, more convenient or more suitable to the, and sometimes field offices might have different uh, initiatives. Uh, I know a field office in Lebanon, they have like, a, um, they have a team, uh, they call it, I think, a team building a committee where they every month they gather to find ways to create activities team building activities and at the same time they have an opportunity to raise concerns to the management and try to raise their voice through these uh, staff-led um, committees so uh, maybe just one thing before we finish and that's you know all this um all these approaches that irc are taking to duty of care seem really comprehensive and really um and it sounds like this area is growing in strength in the organization and it, that feels really really positive is there anything that you see as like a next step for improvement or what you think will happen next and you don't have to answer this but i just wanted to offer you that like opportunity to add add that piece uh, if there are ways for improvement. For yeah, the you think, what else you think might be good for IRC to do or does it feel very much like it's kind of comprehensive? I would say it's definitely comprehensive, but I would also say that that there's always room to 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 grow and um, and and learn and hear ideas from staff and take feedback from from staff because Again, this is a global program, and we have a, a, a lot of context at IRC and a lot of countries with different needs. The thing is that the program is very dynamic, and I've seen a lot of changes happen since I joined. Uh, definitely comprehensive, but I would also say that um, I wouldn't, uh, actually our leadership, like I would say uh, Robert Lindsay, the, the uh, Global Duty of Care Director, he's he's uh, he's a great um, i'm i'm proud to be part of the team because he's been working with with hq a lot on adding and developing new resources and new ideas wherever there are ways and also always welcoming new ideas and feedback wherever possible and to the best 
possible capacity of, of, of the, the duty of care program. Of course, at the end of the day, um, sometimes we need to influence decision makers. So if we, I would say if we have even more space to take decisions as well, uh, influence, but also take decisions, but maybe this would come. We, we do take decisions, decisions, but sometimes you feel like uh, you can get, yeah, uh, in, in some cases you might get, uh, not, I wouldn't say a rejection, but not the best case scenario response in a specific uh, case. So, but all in all, we're not perfect at the end of the day, but I would say it's a, it's a great program to be part of. And I would encourage like any, uh, it, it would be great if, if humanitarian aid workers, if not, if they don't have access or it's not feasible to have access to such resources in some maybe smaller NGOs, um, to at least have um, um, a room to, to, to access self-care uh, topics or have even educational sessions or anything that would help uh, support and raise awareness about the stigma of psychosocial care and the education that's available, that can be available to them and their family members as well. For sure. I think it's great that you include family members and, 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 and it's not something I've heard from other organisations. So I'm really impressed by what IRC are offering their staff and I hope it, that this podcast and the work you do can serve as some example to other people of some of the things that could be possible. So I want to thank you so much for talking with me today, Lana, and sharing about the work you do. And uh, yeah, thanks for being with me and stay well. <laughs> Thank you so much, Marianne, and uh, thanks for everyone who's taking part in this great initiative. Happy to support anytime, and uh, take care and stay healthy. You've been listening to me, Marianne Clements, in conversation with Lana Vahayim, and this is Embodying Change, a podcast about cultivating care and compassion in aid and development. The show was edited by Ziada Rebaid. If you enjoyed this show, please do share it. And if you're an Apple Podcasts user and are listening there, please do leave us a review as it helps other people to find our show. We'll be back in a few weeks with another show exploring how we can cultivate care and compassion in aid and development.